listening to Wander and Roam. Hey, uh, Alder, I got a bit of a query for you. Mm-hmm. I-, I was just wondering, how did we get off on the wrong foot? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. It was the first time we met, and this little fellow here, and Aldern reaches into his pocket and withdraws this tiny little ball of shadow. This little fellow here, the nameless god, we yet to actually name this god still, jumped out in front of Crackerjack and sent you flying to the ground. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. I, I still think I got that bruise. Huh. Our friends follow the dusty road that winds away from the forest and the Mist Glen Carnival. As they crest over the top of a hill, they see before them a crumbling ruin. Small cairns, previously candlelit, now dim, guide the way to a green and mossy constructed pond partially encircled by a stone structure supported by crumbling pillars. On the far end of the pond, the pillars lead to large rotted doors that lead deeper into the structure. Welcome to the ruins of the slobbering god. As our friends draw closer, they see vultures circling above the ruins. A squeaker. Yeah, yeah. Now, them creatures that are circling above up there. Uh-huh. Now, them spuzzards? Looks to be that way. Now, that's a... That's not a good omen normally, uh, is it? Yeah, I, I, I would say that normally uh, buzzards uh, circling about would constitute is something to be concerned about. Is that racist? Are we being racist right now? Uh, probably more stereotypical than racist, but... Uh, Stereotyping based upon race. Continue. I could hear it as soon as it came out of my mouth. That's not... Like, maybe I need to examine that. Yeah, yeah, I guess we we all have some biases that we might need to look at a little bit. Speak for yourself. I wonder if they'll let me fly if I ask nicely. Can, can you fly? Well, not yet. I just have little nubbins. But you're, but you're going to ask them for permission to fly. Oh, for sure. Consent is key. Uh, I believe, Hamish, that she is saying that she is going to ask the vultures to give her a ride. Oh, I not see, Not for see, permission see. to fly herself. Ah, yes. I can see the confusion. All right, we're all on the same page now. I get it. Mm. Now, I suppose that the biggest problem here would be uh, waiting for them vultures to come down so you can actually ask them. Why don't I give you a lift up to the vultures and you can ask them if they will give you a ride? I see no problem with any of this. Now, now Aldern, uh, one one quick uh, note here. What could you possibly be asking? Well, it's not really a question. It's more of an observation. Mm. You see, you're you're carrying her up to ask the vultures for a ride. Go on. But in fact, you're the one providing the ride. So why don't you just... Give her a ride. Give her a ride. Yeah, how would that transfer even take place? Uh, Raindrop, would you like a ride? I would love one. Thank you so much. And Raindrop will hop on the back of Aldern. Oh, out. Mm. They have surprisingly sharp little talons. And he'll fly up into the air and do a quick lap around the temple. 
a squeaker. Yeah. So we better probably probably start walking. I suppose so. Hamish and Squeaker continue down the road. Squeaker, of course, riding trusty old Cracker Jack, and Hamish being followed by his 100 bees. Oh, yeah, I, I could have flown up there with, with them also. Are you going to leave me down here? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying I could have done it, and just my mind was elsewhere, and I, I need to maybe keep my eye on that during today's uh, events. Mm-hmm. Seems to me like there's a lot of things that we need to question about ourselves today. Maybe we'll learn a thing or two. Raindrop is having the time of her life up in the air. As Aldern and Raindrop are soaring through the sky, Aldern can see how much fun she's having and decides to try to do an aerial trick like he used to do when he was younger. But as he tries to do a barrel roll and turn upside down, he's not used to the added weight and he hasn't flown in a long time and he loses control and plummets into the pond in front of the temple. As Aldern and Raindrop hit the puddle with a with a big splash, a, a group of other creatures begin looking around, and as they reach the surface of the water, they can hear a group of badgers pointing and laughing at them. Six salamanders emerge around the edges of the pond, poking only their little eyes out. I don't see what you're laughing at. I've never even seen a flying badger. Well, well, well uh, us badgers are pretty good at, at, at not going into the pond. If I wanted to fly, I could fly. Could you now? Uh, yes, I don't want to. What would change your mind? Uh, once I'm set in my ways, I, nothing will change my mind. Don't ask. It's a healthy view. Huh. Very obstinate. Squeaker and Hamish see this whole thing go down, and Squeakers rides up quickly on the back of Cracker Jack and hops off and grabs a little rope from one of the saddlebags, runs over and says, Raindrop, here, grab onto this, and tosses the rope into the middle of the pond. The rope misses both Aldern and Raindrop, but Raindrop moseys on over. (laughs) She's in her element. She swim circles around the little lasso before grabbing it and swimming back over to Aldern and looping it over his arm. As Aldern and Raindrop are pulled from the pond, they are both covered in this greenish moss and Aldern gives his body a good shake and his feathers puff out. (laughs) All that muck just slams against Raindrop's face. What's what's wrong, Raindrop? Never played in the mud before? Oh. Oh. Well, now that you mention it, it is kind of great. Raindrop will scoop a handful of muck and throw it towards Squeakers, and it lands with a... Now, Squeakers' brown duster is already pretty dirty, as it hasn't really been washed in a long time. And so as the mud slams into him, he looks down, and he can't tell where the duster ends and the mud begins. Hamish finally arrives after trailing behind his flying friends and Squeakers, who was on a mount. But Hamish arrives, and he sees what's going on, and he blows into his whistle, which doesn't make any sound at all. But 25 bees fly over to where Squeakers is and just lightly brush by him and sweep away some of the moss that's covering him. Thank you, bees. Much obliged. The bees buzz in an incomprehensible tongue. 
I've taken that to mean you're welcome. <laughs> it sounds very much like, please, thank you, and I would like some honey. I would like some honey. That's horrifying. <laughs> so Squeaker takes his rope and he loops it and he turns and he looks at the group of badgers and salamanders who have been watching the spectacle and he tips his hat to them as he puts the rope on the back of Cracker Jack. He then grabs her reins and begins to lead her down the road towards the ruins proper. Range out follows um, as she shivers off the rest of the muck, passes the group of salamanders and asks, these ruins are very impressive. What used to be here? We've never gone in, and no one's come out. Does that sound spooky enough for you? Frankly, I don't think it's as spooky as it could be. If nobody goes in, of course nobody's going to come out. I think it's plenty spooky. It was pretty spooky. Maybe we should workshop this a little bit more. No, it's good. What would be spookier? Spookier is many people go in and no one comes out. Or, nobody goes in, and many people come out. Either way is much spookier than nobody goes in, nobody comes out. You're absolutely correct. I think that we should write this down. Note to self for the future. Nobody goes in, many people come out. No, 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 no. Let's try this one more time. The other one. Many people go in, no one comes out. I've got chills. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, it was, that's what I said. Many people go in and no one comes out. I get the feeling that these salamanders are just having a go at us. I have goosebumps. Duck bumps? Well, should we uh, go inside the ruins and see if we can find anything spooky? That doesn't seem like the best idea, but I know you, and there's no dissuading you. Correct. Squeakers looks at the group and just says, I have a bad feeling about this. And I have 100 bees. And he points, and a few bees break off and fly into the ruins ahead of our friends. In the distance, we hear a crow caw, and a black cat skitters across the path. The cat walks under a ladder. The ladder falls and breaks a mirror. A salamander goes to the calendar on the wall and circles the date, Friday the 13th. And as he goes over to the calendar, he steps on a crack on the sidewalk. And his mother goes, I <laughs> Aldern says, I'm sure everything will be fine. We, we hear like a sonar ping from the ruins as the bees start to fly back. Is there anything out there? Well, they found something. We, I mean, they made a ping. What'd they find? I don't, I don't know. I have not spoken to them yet. Do you speak to the bees? Do you not? The real question is, do they speak back? They speak back. I just don't know what they're saying. As the group walks towards the ruins, you see impossibly tall cement pillars. And you can tell that this place is ancient. The closer the group approaches... Mist seems to crawl around the base of the pillars. Out of the fog appear the, the contingent of bees, and they all have what look like burn marks around the edges of their fuzz. Oh no! The salamanders follow them for a distance, but they all stop at the edge of the pond and they will not approach any further. 
guys, I have a very good feeling about this. We're about to be explorers. Suppose there's some kind of treasure in there. I mean, them salamanders, they said that uh, nobody's gone in, so nobody can come out. So I suppose we're the first people to go in and then come out. Well, that's getting a little bit ahead of yourself, but I'm willing to, to go ahead on your assumptions. Sure, one step at a time. Everyone good? Everyone free of any sort of dark and troubling thoughts that may come out if we are to confront some sort of a force in there? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if uh, there are going to be any sort of consequences of the past that we're going to be finding out here. Well, I mean, time is like a ring. It all is present before us. But uh, yes, there may be some consequences. Is that, w- that the word consequences? Inside Aldrin's blazer, the nameless god shuffles. Yeah, maybe we should name that nameless god. I've thought about it, but I haven't come up with a name for him yet. Have you talked to him? Seen if they uh, have some sort of, I don't know, inkling about who they are? I've tried to talk to him before, and he reaches in carefully and draws out the nameless god and holds them forward. They start biting at him, but he is quite nibbly. Would you like to take a chance? Now, Squeakers never knowed no varmint that he couldn't handle. And so he put his little paw out, and the nameless god leaps into his palm and drives its teeth deep into his wrist. Ow! Oh, feisty. He is indeed. Uh, you Now you let go of him. Yeah, and he'll I... take a good, strong hold of him and try to, like, pry his mouth open to get him off. Maybe we should call this a nameless god feisty or something. I was thinking Napoleon. That's what I've been calling him. Ooh, I like that. Napoleon. He doesn't respond at all <laughs> to the name. He's got his teeth sunk into squeakers. I will call him Napoleon. Come off. And he grabs him and tries to pry his mouth open. And he manages to barely free him and Squeakers can pull his hand free. Squeakers pulls his paw back and notices that there aren't actually bite marks on his paw, which is one of the small mysteries of these forgotten gods, because that really hurt. (laughs) Well, enough talking. And Hamish takes a comically large step and starts walking into the ruins. Now, don't wander off. Wander in Rome will be right back. Have you ever seen something you couldn't explain? Have you ever felt like something was watching you, even when you were alone? Have your dreams ever started bleeding into the reality around you? Starting March 8th, Join us bi-weekly as we travel around the contiguous United States sharing strange stories and discovering mysteries hidden within the vastness of America. Listen to Lower 48 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do we want the people to know, Danny? You're Danny. Who am I? Summer. I'm Summer. We are bisexually lit. This is a podcast about movies and life and everything in between. Two best friends who are loud and queer and love to talk about movies on and off mic. And we'd like to take you along for the ride.
Why did we name our podcast Bisexually Lit? Well, like, you know, A, we're bisexual. Extremely. B, we're, we're getting lit. We're giving literary and thematic readings to the movies we love. Yeah. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop a new ep- episode every other Monday, bi-weekly, if you will. Oh, I will. As our heroes walk deeper into the ruins, they begin to see some things that they've never seen before and, quite frankly, defies all explanation. There are impossibly high pillars that are supporting impossibly high doors. Hey, squeakers. That door as high as I think it is? I literally cannot perceive. It seems like the door cannot be that high. It really cannot be that high. I I ain't never seen a door like that. That is impossibly tall. Well, enough talk. And Hamish opens the giant door. (laughs) As Hamish opens the door ahead of them, the hallway opens up into a larger chamber. And in the center of the chamber is a huge poisonous snake made of stone and its head is poised looking down and it is dripping venom from its mouth but it is of course a statue now is is that a statue or is that a snake that was turned into a statue that's a real fine question beneath the snake there is text in the stone but it is in a language that nobody speaks well unfortunately it looks here, like this here chicken scratch might uh, have all the answers. Does anyone here speak chicken scratch? Well, give me a second. Hamish motions to his most erudite bee who wears little round glasses and he whispers to it and it goes over and it traces out the letters with his little hand and then he looks at Hamish and he does a little shrug. Suppose that uh, this might be one of them dead languages. Hmm. Sometimes secrets are best kept secret. Yeah, I don't want to deal with whatever that snake is. Sounds like that might have been a mistake of the past. I thought you were going to say Miss Snake. That would have been much better. Here, Cut will take it again. Miss Snake of the past. (laughs) As our group is looking at this giant snake, there is an echoing crackle that comes from the side of the snake. It sounds as if somebody knocked some rocks off and the sound of them hitting the floor is echoing throughout the chamber. Is someone else here? Now, wait a second. And Hamish turns around and like does a quick count of his bees and he counts 99 bees. He has 99 bees and the missing one is a problem. Hamish, uh, how many bees are there? Now, now, give me just a second. This must be a mistake. I only count 99. (laughs) As our friends look over towards the sound of the tumbling rocks, they see in the corner cowering a small little mouse. He's very, very old. And the bee has landed atop the mouse. Oh, get it off me, get it off me. 
Now, D'Artagnan, you come back here. As D'Artagnan floats on back to the other 99 bees, the older mouse turns and is startled by the group. What, what are you guys doing here? Well, I'm just sort of living. I don't know what Squeakers is doing. He's normally going off about some adventure or something. This isn't my typical kind of adventure. Normally there's, uh, I don't know, explosions and uh, some fast sword play. He usually interacts with the sheriff at some point. Some point, yeah. And usually there's someone who says, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. But it's always wrong. The town is always ample in its size. Could probably support many more of them. We've seen a lot of adequate towns on our adventures. Well, this ruin is definitely big enough for all of us, so. What's your name? My name is Rex. Pleasure to meet y'all. Welcome to the ruins. Now, these ruins are mighty impossible. Uh, what do you call, what do you call that little number, uh, wrapped up in the, you know, with the drool and the whatnot? Oh, that's Old Snakey. Old Snakey. Do you know what the text says beneath Old Snakey? Oh, well, no one can read that. Uh, but some of us folk like to come here and and leave little offerings. Hey, Squeaker. What, Hamish? Can we sidebar? Yes. And Squeaker and Hamish take exactly five steps to the side, which completely hides their voice from the rest of the group. Now, the, those fellas outside, they said that no one ever came in these ruins. That's absolutely right. That was just what I was thinking. Now, is this is this an impossible mouse? Now that you bring it up, this mouse does not seem very, I will say at the very least, probable. This is an implausible mouse. We, we know that, but it, is it impossible? That's a really good question. Let's maybe ask him a few more questions and see if he is truly an impossibility. But Squeakers? Mm. Tactful. Tactful. And Squeakers walks up to Rex, and he, he leans down, and he says, We was told that nobody comes in here, and nobody comes out. So why in the Sam Hill are you... In here. No, we talked about the compliment sandwich. I think this is a very nice home that you've built. We were told no one came in here. Also, your shoes are lovely. Why, thank you. You're right, you're right. Let me try that. Let me try that one more time. Now, Rex, uh, the slobbering god is scary. Mm. You live here. Correct. Why are you here? That does not sound like a compliment sandwich. This is an open face sandwich. As Rex ponders his answer, a little piece of the ceiling falls. An array of sunlight trickles through and lands on Rex. And Rex appears to have a very ghostly form. As the sunbeam rests upon Rex, the small and forgotten god Seneth scampers out from Aldern's blazer and scurries up the beam of light towards the ceiling. Now, uh, Aldern, do you want your forgotten god to do that? I... I think he'll come back. I haven't seen him climb a sunbeam before. A semicircle of six bees gets a wild, 
uncanny glint in their the many compound eyes as they fly forward and suddenly intelligible they say what are you doing here so they can't talk no i've been telling you i suppose we just wasn't listening now take that as a lesson um i hate to distract from the now speaking bees it seems as if our friend rex is a ghost now, I got a question for you now uh, in the form of a compliment sandwich. Uh, your skin ain't there. Oh. What is happening right now? Are you dead? No, that's just a pile of questions. There's no compliment on there. Rex sort of shimmers and there's a blink, like a jump cut, like his cycle of appearances has refreshed. He ran out of things to do. Oh, I see. So, basically... He does a couple of things, resets, does those couple of things again in infinitum. The six bees buzz over and form a curtain in front of Rex, and they say, No, no, it's fine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Do these bees know him? Well, I mean, they ain't acting like they normally do. Their many compound eyes seems somewhat off, uncanny, I might say. Sure, sure. Well, that's wonderful. I think we best be on our way. What do you say? I think it's about time to leave, Raindrop. What? Raindrop is climbing up the statue of the snake. She is partway up before she loses her footing and slides the rest of the way back down. Touch it not. Touch it not, lest you perish. As she slides down the snake, she lands in front of it, and before them is an altar with a golden cup on top of it. Pretty. Touching the cup would probably be bad, right? The bees are saying, touch it not, touch oh, it right, not. right, Now, seeing as though these bees, we've never heard them talk before, I'm inclined to listen to what they have to say. That's probably a good idea. Now, Raindrop, Raindrop, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Are you in a place to listen right now? Uh, listening is not my strong suit, so probably not. That's what I thought, Squeaker's, uh picks her up and holds her tight and refuses to let go as he begins walking back towards the impossibly large door. Raindrop puts her arms down after trying to grab the cup. Now, I think we may have forgotten something. Is there not one of our number who has recently ascended a sunbeam? Uh, Seneth, come here, boy. Seneth turns and looks at him and then continues scurrying up the sunbeam. The snake starts to shift coming alive, almost imperceptibly. Uh, it's time to go. I am sure we'll find Seneth. Or Seneth will find us. I'm sure that we can find Seneth wherever there's a sunbeam. Hamish blows his whistle and no sound comes out, but most of his bees, all but six, start walking out the door. The six bees look conflicted and they confer with each other and they start to go, and then they come back, and they start to go, and then they come back. There is a rumbling, and the stone ceiling starts to crumble. The six bees look at one another, and they fly to the altar and pick up the cup. And they bear it up into the air, up to the snake's mouth, and they pour an unseen liquid into the mouth of the giant snake. 
Well, seems to me those beasts have made their choice, so we'd better let them be. Yeah, we had, we had better let them be. Yeah, we had better let them uh, keep doing their thing. The liquid begins to drip out of the mouth of the god and burns a hole in the floor. Oh, B, I get it now. As the room shakes, our group runs out, and with great effort, we're able to push the door closed. But as soon as we close the door, the rumbling that we've been seeing and hearing stops. They look back towards the temple. The roof has not collapsed in. The roof is still there, still stable. Only 94 bees. 100 bees went in and 94 bees came out. Yeah, yeah, I heard heard 100 bees went in and only one came out. Now, sir, that is, that is not what happened. It was spooky. That's a rumor. It was pretty spooky, though. It was absolutely spooky. Hamish starts walking out of the ruins, kicks at the dust, obviously hurt. Hamish, I'm really sorry about your loss. I'm not. I'm I'm fine. I'm, I'm placid and calm like an untroubled lake. Squeakers puts his arms around Hamish and squeezes him tight and says, it's okay to not be okay. As Squeakers is hugging Hamish, they hear some crying young voices coming from a nearby bush. Hamish scrambles over to the bush and pulls the branches apart and sees six tiny infant bees. Oh, hey, hey, we just need somebody to be a good role model for us. (laughs) He opens his arms and welcomes the six tiny bees. It seems to me that once bees are grown, they lose the ability to speak. Well, I have a deal with them that they'll speak only in an undetectable fashion. Now it seems balance is restored. 100 went in, 96 came out, but then we're back to 100. The circle is completed. Life is always present before us. Except one thing. We're missing a tiny god. We are. As they set off down the road, Aldern sings, Senith wants me for a sun beam, as he does. In the rays of the setting sun, Seneth flutters along the last sunbeam and lands upon his shoulder. Next week on Wander and Rome. The cloud-reach mountains stretch high into the sky, dominating the scenery for miles around. Our friends clamber up the rocky path. Ahead of them, A small cottage is built into the side of the mountains. Goats scamper ahead of them, unimpaired by the rocks and steep cliffs. Beside the cottage is a small garden and a well-tended shrine covered in bright flowers. Welcome to the Cloudreach Monastery. Music for Wander and Rome is written and performed by Gary Argyle. Wander and Rome is produced by Winterhawk Podcasts and Gary Argyle. For more great shows, visit winterhawkpodcasting.com.